I haven't reviewed my Your Compass from last year until I just opened it under my secret wish. This is so nice. I said, it is difficult to set a wish when I feel all my wishes are coming true. Things are so good. It is enough that they continue as they are. Oh, I might cry at my own past self. That's (laughs) so cute. My name is Alyssa. And my name is Bridget. And you're listening to Money Feels, the podcast where we don't gatekeep any of our financial plans so that you can get ahead with your money. Oh, that was good. <laughs> That's my like first time doing it in over a month and I got scared. <laughs> no, that was a great tagline. You just have to wing it. I think you overthink it. I think so too. Um, well, how does your money feel today? Uh, pretty good, only because I haven't spent any of it. Like around Christmas is too chaotic for me. I don't do boxing day shopping. I don't like to order online when like the mail is so busy. I'm paranoid of packages being lost. So I really <laughs> like stop spending money very early in December. And so my money I think is great because it's it's not moving. It's just sitting <laughs> in my bank account doing nothing. Honestly good for you. I feel like you're doing the opposite of what everyone else does. I don't know how anyone participates in the mayhem around Christmas because even yesterday I drove by the airport and I saw the outlet stores and there was traffic like all the way to the highway backed up to people to get to outlet stores because it was Boxing Day. And I'm like, I just don't know how anyone enjoys that ritual. I really like to stay at home quietly and not buy anything. Well, yeah, I'm weird. I I go Boxing Day shopping, but only to individual stores like not the mall because I find them but you go out like you physically go I go right when like just indigo opens and then I get stuff for next Christmas because it's less than half off oh wow so I'm like this is worth it but waiting in like lines or looking for parking at the mall and stuff, I'm like, the prices don't even outweigh the time that you waste. <laughs> no. And this, like when I drove by the airport, it was like 5 p.m. Like it was late. And yeah, the cars were lined up all the way to the highway. Like they were slowing traffic down on the highway. When I, well, when I was in high school, I did that. Like I would do that. And I would I've dress in layers in and I would go so that I could like try on clothes in the middle of the store instead of like in the change rooms. I think I can count on one hand the times I've participated in Boxing Day and Black Friday, and it's just never been a thing. I'd rather just pay full price to not be stressed out. <laughs> Good for you. I, I'm starting to come to that point. I was just talking about that with Nick, like what it's not worth it. Like the someone messaged me because I had bought uh, my kid a gift and then they were like it's cheaper now you should go price match it and get that oh, money back I and I was like I refuse to wait in the customer service line to get $20 back the hour that I would wait in line <laughs> is not worth the $20 and like the gas to drive to the store and the likelihood that you would buy something else when you're in the store that's yeah. the other thing I feel about Boxing Day and Black Friday shopping is I think if you get to those malls and you're in a frenzy and you think you're getting a good deal is you spend way more than you intend. And I think that's the entire intention. That's what they want. That's Yeah. And I think they purposely put better deals in stores than online so that you go and make impulse decisions. 
Oh, they totally do now because malls get no foot traffic anymore. I know. Buys from Amazon. And yeah, the, I know that the deals are really good, but I just prize my sanity. And I really like a quiet Christmas and New Year's. Like, I don't want to do stuff. I just want to sit quietly in my home and not be stressed. Good for you. <laughs> we The only thing we've done is go out sledding. I think we're also doing a really low-key Christmas and New Year's break. It's it's so nice. But how does your money feel? Um, Pretty good. I feel like I did spend a lot of money in December, but it was all planned spending. So mm-hmm. I had like my sinking fund for Christmas all good to go. And yeah, I made I made all the decisions I planned to make, which is on point with today's episode. I <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do <laughs> for this month. <laughs> I was successful <laughs> one out of 12 months <laughs> in 2022. That's awesome. Yeah, cuz this this episode we're talking about setting financial goals for 2023 for the next year. And so when you said on that note that you did everything you were supposed to do in December, do you set your goals per month or do you set a goal for the whole year for your finances? So it depends. I plan some of my goals annually, but there are like my sinking funds that I set up every single January. And I actually did them this month for next year. Okay, And those ones obviously are like for specific events. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a Christmas fund. And so like, I was completely ready to go for this month. And I didn't go over budget probably because I had that money put aside already. Do you do your Christmas shopping in December? Because I normally do all my Christmas shopping in October. Oh, I've I already just told you I started shopping for next Christmas today. Right. Okay. (laughs) So but like I by the time I start in like September, October, I already have enough in my sinking fund. I just don't stop my contributions until December 1st because I'll still be buying like groceries and um, food and stuff like that's also included in the amount that I save. That actually takes up a lot. I forgot kind of how much your food consumption goes up because I do a lot of cooking and baking at the holidays and even getting the specialty ingredients. And this year they were so expensive. Oh, I know. Food inflation is so bad (laughs) for... And if you were hosting any event, it was a lot. Yes. It so. it was a lot. So can you just tell, I'm curious what your sinking funds are. Are you willing to share them? Yeah. So for yeah. next year, for 2023, I restarted my Christmas fund. Obviously I'm not changing mm-hmm. anything because the amount was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't ever want to spend more than that amount. So I do $20 a week starting oh, okay. January 1st until, so it's just about a thousand dollars. That's a good amount. Yeah. That's like, that's food and presents and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I set up a travel fund because I'm going to my best friend's wedding in the summer. So I needed to save up for flights and like that weekend. Mm-hmm. And I set up a sinking fund for home renovations because we've decided on two smaller renovations that we want to do this year. Okay. I have no sinking funds really, but I think I'm going to try it out for this year because I need one for vacations and I need one for home renos now that I have a home Yeah, needs a lot of work. One thing I love for the vacation funds is like how much you obviously pay for your flight way before you pay for your trip. Yeah. So that's a bit different. Like sometimes I just budget for the flight separately, but for the actual spending you do on your vacation, like I map out how many days until the 
trip that you plan to take is and then like how much would you save each day and then I break it out into a month. Oh, that's so precise. I was just going to set up like a sub savings account with um my bank and then I was just going to save a number in there. <laughs> well, not, yeah, that I works. don't even have a plan. <laughs> like I don't even have trips planned. Like I have in my head, I really, I really want to do Disney in 2023. So I think we'll do that. But I don't, I don't even know how much that will cost. But I have a broad idea of how much I want to spend on vacations. Per Probably year. more was... than you could ever predict. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, let's do like, can you give an overview maybe of how you set financial goals for the year then? So I was thinking about this a lot because I don't set a lot of personal financial goals. And that's why I don't know how helpful I will be to the majority of our <laughs> listeners. Because because I'm self-employed, all of my financial goals are hinging on my business and what my business produces. So it's better for me to focus on business goals for the year and then all my financial goals will just happen automatically. So I don't set a lot of fixed financial goals. I have some uh, very loose ones, like I'm going to max out my TFSA for 2023. And then I also want to put back $20,000 because I took out $60,000 for my TFSA for my house down payment. Yeah. And I want to put it back over three years. So I'm going to put $20,000 catch up every, every year for the next three years. So that means I'll be putting twenty six thousand five hundred dollars in my tfsa next year which is like i don't even i don't even know if that's like possible yet like i haven't again i haven't mapped it out i'm like that's just what i would like to do and then i'm also going to max out my rsp for the year i don't know if i'm going to catch up on any rsp room because i just think it might be too much because i'm focusing on the tfsa i don't think it's that reasonable to push myself to also max or also catch up on old RSP. I think it's enough to just max out my RSP. And those are my only two real personal financial goals. And then, yeah, that's why I'm going to do the sinking fund for the home renos and vacations. And for the home renos, like, again, with that, (laughs) so we learned from my our other episode where we found out I'm a lunar Gemini. So my house is always in a kind of chaos. I haven't even decided which home renos I'm going to do. I'm just putting money in there. And I don't think it's necessarily that good to save without a goal in mind. So I have to think about that one a little bit more seriously because I don't even have a amount for that one. I at least have an amount for my vacations. But for home renos, I'm like, I should just put some money in an account, which is not an effective strategy. So well, I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing right now because we have to wait and get quotes on how much things will actually cost. Right. So I think we'll do that in the new year. And then from there, I'll readjust my sinking fund goal. Yeah. And then so when you're going through it, do you contr- do you break it down to like a monthly or weekly amount? And that's just what you do? Okay. So we kind of touched on this last episode, I think, which is that I didn't hit my investment goal last year. So I wanted to restructure and be more specific with my financial goals this year because last year I was way more fluid, kind of like how you're speaking about it. Like I was (laughs) just like, well, I I understand because if you're an entrepreneur, it is really hard to like know exactly what you can save until you've, at least like until you're a few months into the year. 
even that, like I'm now dealing with variability in my income that is, it could be six figures. And so when I can't predict, like there's a big difference between if you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars more than you think or not. Like it's just, it's such a big number. It's do you hard predict, for me. do you try to predict or estimate your earnings for each month no. based on the plans you've made for the year? Do you no. think that would be helpful or would that no. be too, too stressful? I've tried to do it before and it, and it doesn't work. Um, okay. the way people, and this is something that I think is interesting to consider when people are listening to this and they're thinking about their financial goals is sometimes we have this idea that if we set really fixed numbers, it gives us a sense of control in the planning, but it doesn't actually impact the income. Like me saying, I want a specific amount in revenue in a month that doesn't actually make that happen. It's helpful but it doesn't actually make that happen. What actually makes those results happen are the actions. So when I think about it and what I want to use to generate income in my business, I do not set income goals at all, but instead I'll say something like, I should publish two TikTok videos a day because I know if I'm publishing content at that volume and that frequency, that will translate to income. So I kind of don't have to worry about the income as long as I'm taking the, the steps you need to take. That's yeah. really interesting. I like yeah. that a lot. Because I think people really focus on the numbers and they're like, oh, I want this number. And they'll even break it down to like, I need this much per week or I need this much per month. But that's actually totally irrelevant unless you have a step-by-step plan. So you have to attach an action to it. And so I think for most people, if they're if they have a goal to pay off a certain amount of debt or to save a certain amount, it's, it is really great to set that target and even to break it down. But you have to be like, what action is attached to this? And it might be uh, cutting something from your budget. Like one thing that I found has always helped me over the years is I only order takeout like a maximum of two times per week. Otherwise, I would right. order it every day. I would just... <laughs> I would spend unlimited amounts on Uber Eats if I didn't have that. So boundary. instead of assigning values, you assign. Yeah. So I like create a habit that feeds habit. the goal. And then I know like if I'm if I'm maximum ordering uh Uber Eats twice a week, I'm probably not gonna spend more than like seventy or eighty dollars. And so then I don't have this problem where I'm spending three hundred dollars a week on takeout and then trying to cut back. Like I think good systems and good habits are actually what drives financial goals. So when you're looking at your financial goals, instead of just saying I want to save this much or I want to pay off this much debt, it has to be attached to a behavior. Like and maybe I hate to tell anyone to like cut out their coffee, but maybe it is like, I'm only going to get a latte on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I will just brew my coffee at home the rest of the week. And then that will give me whatever $20 a week to put towards debt or in savings. Yeah. And that will get you a thousand dollars a month just right there. And so what you changed is the behavior, not the actual financial. I think you're really onto something here because the (laughs) one goal that I was successful in last year that I'm most proud of is that I set a goal to read for 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Which is not that much because if I couldn't physically read a book, I would have an audio book on for 20 minutes while I was doing other tasks. Oh, okay. And so I was able to manage reading 20 books in a year and people were like, that makes no sense. How are you working two jobs <laughs> with kids and reading that much? And I'm like, because I think it was just such a small and manageable habit that it 
was successful. Like I didn't assign, I need to read 20 books in a year because I probably wouldn't have hit it if I had done that. No, exactly. And so I do think it's really about behaviors. And actually, there is a great book on this, which I have learned I am reading for the second time. (laughs) But it's (laughs) Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you read that one? I have not, but it's like everyone recommends this book. Everyone recommends it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and read it. And so I downloaded it a few days ago. And I read like the first two sentences. And I'm like, I've read this book already. And so I went and I looked for my notes because I love reading nonfiction books on my Amazon Kindle because I can highlight things. And then I just email myself the PDF of all the highlights when I finish the book. But I didn't have a PDF for Atomic Habits. So I think I must have read it as like a physical book. And so now I am reading it again, even though I know exactly what every single chapter says, but I'm just going through and highlighting some things. And one of the reasons I realized that I had read it before is because my life is already set up with these systems that he says to do. And the example that you said, like reading for 20 minutes a night, instead of setting a goal to read 20 books a year is exactly what he would tell you to do in the book. And I do think it's those incremental behaviors and stacking them, which is why the reason that my finances proceed in order. So like I said, I know like my business revenue goals are irrelevant. What is important is that I do ETF Tuesdays on Instagram every week, that I publish two TikTok videos a day, that I send out my email newsletter every Thursday. Those are actually what matter. It doesn't matter what numbers I set because at the end of the day, those will be what drives the They'll translate into your income. Yeah. So it's way more important to do the tasks weekly than to actually worry too much about This is flipping. I'm really glad I haven't like fully done my goal setting because I feel like this is going to help me this week. We're we're printing off the year compass today Um, because I was like, and when I'm thinking about my goal setting for next year, speaking about income and like earning, Mm -hmm. I think that most people disregard that completely. They forget to consider their income. And so like personally, as someone who has a full-time job, something I consider at the start of every year is like, how much do I want to make at my full-time job this year? How and when can I ask for a raise? How can I prepare for that starting in the new year? Because so many of us forget to consider it. And then all of a sudden our review comes around and we're not ready to discuss what we should earn, how we've um, contributed to getting that income and like convincing our boss basically that we are worth that number. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I prepare mentally for asking for a raise at some point in the year. You kind of know when your annual review will be. Mm -hmm. So if you're prepared for that moment when it comes ahead of time, like you're taking stock of all of the the work you're doing at your job, you're keeping track in a document so that Mm -hmm. when your review comes around, you can pull up that document and be like, look at all the things I've done this year. I'm worth this much. Yeah, I used to do that all the time when I had a traditional job. And I think it's really good. And it's also valuable when you're making your resume to switch to another job. Because <laughs> you have a list of all the things you've uh, you've accomplished. But I do think people don't consider their income because it feels a lot like something you don't have control of. If you're not self-employed, like your income is largely 
determined by your employer. So it is important to look for those opportunities where you do have control over it, which is asking for a raise or switching to another employer. But I would give this same advice for people who are, if you have any kind of side hustle is again, don't focus necessarily on the amount you want to earn from your side hustle, focus on the tasks that you can do to generate that income. On that though, what advice do you think you would give to someone who maybe doesn't have a secondary income that wants one? Um, on like how they can prepare for building that wealth in the new year? Well, you just have to take action. Like I'm very much a person that I think it's better to like do something and see if it works than to just sit around and like think about (laughs) ideas. Like you're going to be way better off if you try, say, a side hustle every single month and even if like the first five fail and then month six you find one that generates income rather than like sitting around and strategizing. I really just think so many people get stuck in the loop of strategizing and planning and in their spreadsheets and dreaming. And I say this because I used to be this person and especially setting my financial goals. I just like the numbers so much and putting them into a spreadsheet or even writing them down. It felt, it feels like taking action. It feels Mm -hmm. like you're doing something and it's true. you start dreaming about it and you're like, oh, this would be so good. If I hit this, then I'll do all these things. And you kind of get lost in the fantasy and you have to stop yourself from getting there. You have to really focus on like, what can I do this week? Or better yet, what can I do today? And just ask yourself every day, like, did I take a step towards starting my side hustle or towards my financial goal of any kind? Like, it really is a daily thing and not an annual thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so hard is because, yeah, it's, it, but it is generally better to just like show up every day and do things. And I think that works a lot better than um, planning and trying to do broad strokes. I, first of all, I love that we talked about income first. That's very on brand for us. I feel like most people would talk about saving and investing first. Like how No, it's the most important things. step. Like you it don't is. have money to save and invest or pay off debt if you're not watching the top of your funnel, which is your income. The money coming in is the most important. And like you said, I think a lot of people don't think about increasing it if they're in a traditional employment and there's actually tons of options to increase it. Yes, I I agree. Um, okay. So can I give you my rundown of like how I plan for my savings and investments then? Yeah. I want to hear it. Okay. So I maybe am who you used to be and I'm realizing (laughs) I should be more action-based and no, I love it. Like it's a, it's great that we're having this conversation. Um, because I do, I don't like get very specific, I guess, but I do look at my spreadsheets that I have. Like Mm -hmm. I have my things I want spreadsheet. And so like the end of the year is a good time to be like, do I still want these things? And if I do, then which ones do I want to buy this year? Because it's all of my larger purchases. Oh, can you give some examples? What do you mean? Things you want, like physical material items? Yeah, let me pull up my You spend a year considering No, no, no. No, but this is when I'm doing my review to see like what's in here. Do I still want some of these things? Um, Because (laughs) if I haven't looked at it in a few months, I usually look at it every like three months. Um, Oh, that's not very frequent. No, I have like, I feel like they're big expenses. I have Invisalign on here. I have laser eye surgery. Do you not have any medical insurance? I have some, yeah. You can go get these things for a discount. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, but it's like if I do that, then I have to give up a different goal. So it's like, oh, I these see. are more yeah. like, these are things I want. So that's something I do okay. with my planning for savings and investments is like, I categorize them into needs and wants and okay. then like how long it'll take to accomplish them. And then I basically create a rank of like, which ones I can do this year, realistically. Okay. So like, if I want to get Botox this year um, and I want to, we want to do our mud room and we want to do like a, a breakfast nook in our house. I think so you can are, get the Botox. It's not very expensive. Yeah. So like I could do Botox and the breakfast nook and the breakfast or the mudroom. Sorry. These are all very in very specific goals. But if I wanted to do those three things, I could. But I couldn't do like Invisalign and those other two home renovations because it's like right. $4,000. I could spend that on something else much more important. Yeah. I mean, I I still have an okay smile, you know, like I'll be okay this year. (laughs) You have a beautiful (laughs) smile, but I do understand that because same thing, like with my home renos, because the ones I want to do are so big, like Mm -hmm. finishing my backyard and finishing my basement. There's just, I don't think there's a way that I can do them both in the same year, even logistically with the timing is challenging. So yeah, you do kind of have to plan things that I don't break them down into steps though, but I have, I guess I have a list like that as well. Yeah. Well, and I like for the, I love the life milestone spreadsheet I've now created, whether it's Mm -hmm. like yours or not, I don't know, but it works for me. (laughs) Um, But like I had my basement renovation in my 30 to 35 year and I was like, I don't have the option to actually do this because when I compared it to my financial goals that were in there, which is investing a hundred thousand dollars by the time I'm 35, yeah, I was like, I have to decide which one's more important. And so obviously Coast Buy is way more important than our basement. That's the problem I'm running into too, honestly, because if I want to put this amount, like I really want to put the money back in my TFSA. I feel like none of my financial goals work if I don't replenish what I take out. And yeah, I am because deci- like $20,000 in my TFSA next year, I could pay for a good chunk of my basement renovation with that. Right? It's like, which is more important for me, the TFSA is more important. So it is easier to put off the basement reno for the TFSA. Yeah. But some people would flip it and say like, oh, it's like, I'll do that later. And it's easier to just do the fun thing. So it's, it's always easier to do the yeah, fun thing. Exactly. So I feel like it's, this is a time where you like rationalize what, what you actually need, like check in with yourself. Yeah. And you really do have to keep yourself in line, actually, when you think about it, because no one else is watching your money. No one can see what you're spending. (laughs) Yeah, they have no idea. And so it does take a fair amount of self-discipline to do what needs to be done. But I don't know, like, I think maybe because I have been so financially focused for so long, I I do think a TFSA is more important than a basement reno. But if by sub miracle, I can do both this year, I will. Like maybe I have to publish three TikTok videos. A day. <laughs> <laughs> you have to find the perfect number. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But the on the account, note of accountability, like one thing I'm going to do this year, and I've done this with other things in my life, but I love mm-hmm. putting reminders in my phone. So like for each quarter, I think I'm just going to put a reminder in my phone as an alarm that goes off. That's like, are you on track? Just to check in. Yeah, like every quarter. Like, where are we at? Because I find every January I start off extremely strong, which we all do. It's like your 
on a high running into a new year. Oh, I don't. I freaking hate January through March. They're always like, I hate those months. Well, I hate those months, but I think that's why I'm like so good at my habits because there's nothing else going on. I hate those months financially. Oh. Because so I always have to catch up on my RSP room. So I don't contribute to my TFSA or my daughter's RESP for mm. January and February. And I just I really cut back on everything because I'm all I'm perpetually behind on my <laughs> RSP. So I'm going to be so focused on that. It's also when my paychecks are lower for my mm-hmm. company because I have to pay into CPP and it takes a while for that to be maxed out. And that's also when a lot of my uh, business operations, like the subscriptions are annual. Like I subscribe to like my newsletter software and the uh, webinar yes. software annually. And they all seem to come out like very early in the year. I also, my year end for my company is also December 30. I might move it because it's so stressful to have both like personal tax year end and corporate tax year end at the same time. And so then I also have to pay like my GST and things for my business. So I feel like January through March are always like very financially constrained for me and they're just not fun. Whereas I think it relaxes quite a bit after that. However, I pay for all of those things in November and December. Oh, so it's like really expensive. So in January and February, I'm like, I cannot spend any money. Yeah. So I'm very stringent on my like cash flow. And then I'm super good at habits because I'm staying home. All the time. Yeah. I have no money to spend. Same. No, I feel like my budget is very tight and then it gradually starts to open up in the spring and onward. And then usually by the fall, like then we're three quarters of the way through the year, I have a good idea of how much my total income will be for the year. I've like my business is all taken care of. And that's really when I can relax and enjoy my money, which is why you saw like I was going on vacation basically August <laughs> through November because. I was finally allowed to be free. <laughs> well, and that's what I mean, though. Like, I start the year really strong, and then life happens, and suddenly it's July, and I've been over budget for the past three months because I was like, woo, we got through the winter. <laughs> now I can spend all this money I didn't spend in the winter because I never left my house. So I want these check ins to be like, hey, you were doing really good. You can do even better yeah. for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm very aggressive and responsible early in the year. So then it relaxes later, which is a nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, my I feel like for spending, I'm, I'm going to try and invest $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my goal for this year. I'm a bit behind on my Coast by goals, so I'll have to pick it up after this year. But this will—I actually another... think you'll be able to do more than that. I mean, I and think... I say that as someone that doesn't know your financial situation <laughs> at all, but I just really believe in you. Oh, you're so nice. I well, I feel like you and I probably both do this. I think we've talked about it before, but I have my base goals, so like my automatic contributions that I have coming out of my accounts every month into my investments. And then I do a stretch goal. And so if I earn more than I thought I was going to earn that month, all of that money gets invested. Yes. I I do something similar. Like, and I even make like I wrote it down in like a little notepad. And same thing, my like my TFSA, I want to put twenty thousand dollars in to catch up, but my stretch goal is like thirty thousand dollars if that's possible. Because I actually find for my base goals, I automate it 
all. So it seems mm-hmm. like it's going to happen no matter what. And that's one of the reasons like I don't feel a lot of pressure to set financial goals is because they are automated. Like the money is just going to come out. So I better make sure that it's in well, my yeah, bank account. I'm already do doing that. what I need to do to hit my goal, like for when I retire. Like I will be okay because my base goal has me covered. Do you feel it's like redundant to set goals if you already have the systems in place? Because I was like looking at that and I was like, oh yeah, max out my RSP. And I'm like, all the transfers are already automated. So like, do I have to set, is it like, am I just setting this so I can check it off? Because it is going to happen. For me though, they're not because my base goal is just like retiring at 65. Like that is just like enough. You're talking about like life base goals. I'm really just talking about this year. Oh. I don't know. Those my contributions I don't really change them that much because my stretch goal is like going above and beyond. Well, and that's what I mean. So your base goal, if that's automated, does it really count as a goal or are we just checking things off our to-do list? It depends how you look at it. I like to celebrate <laughs> all of my <laughs> accomplishments and that like you said last episode like that includes like I put what I was going to put into my TFSA this month, regardless yeah. of whether it was my stretch goal or my base goal, like it's still a, a success. It is. And I, I'm very much a every dollar counts person. And I think that's something people need to remember when they're working on their financial goals is it does matter. If you can't do 200 or $300 into your TFSA one month, then $100 is still good or $50 is still good. Mm-hmm. I think People, especially this happens like later in the year, if you've gotten really far off from your goals, it's very tempting to just give up because you're like, I'm not going to hit it. So what's the difference? But at the end of the day, like if you can't put the 6,500 in your TFSA, which is the contribution limit for 2023, if you put $2,000 in, that's still really good. Yeah. And like, I also, um, so I invest in Simple. Something that a lot of people don't know is you can turn on roundups and so like and connect it to your cards. And so each month, like it's it comes up to like 20 bucks a month, but it's an extra 20 bucks that goes into my account. That's a lot though. That would end up being $250 a year, basically. Exactly. And like it's a small amount, it'll just round up all of your purchases. If you spend like four dollars and sixty cents, then forty cents would go into your TFSA at the end of the month. Oh, I feel like that would add up substantially. Yeah, it does. And so it's worth like doing those little things as well to Mm -hmm. kind of that could be your stretch. Do you do all your goals on like a monthly basis or do you because I personally I don't like to do everything each month because it makes me feel really stressed out to be doing like TFSA, RSP, RESP all the time Um, because then I feel like I make such little progress on each of them and yeah, it no. just stresses me out. So like I said, for I focus on my RSP very early in the year. And then when that's when I put everything in that I can, then I'll do like I usually max out my daughter's RESP in four or five months. I do not contribute on a monthly basis. I just like get it done. And same thing for my TFSA. I'd, I'd rather contribute more in a short time and do a sprint where it's my only focus rather than piecemeal it all out over the year. Yeah. I don't honestly, I set my goals every December. I honestly don't really look at them that much. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I know what they are. Um, if I hit them, I hit them. If I don't, something probably happened, 
in, in it that year. It surprises me that you don't look. You strike me as the person that would look every day because you look at your bank account every day. <laughs> Money's different. Like, so I budget every month. So like, I don't know exactly how much I'm going to spend that month. But at the end of every month, I check in and do my budget. So it's like, I don't budget in the traditional sense. I budget like after I've already spent the money. Am I still doing okay? Oh. It's a reset before the next month. Um, okay. Because then I'm not as hyper-focused and as critical of my spending. Um, <laughs> so I really have loved doing that. This will be my third year doing that. Um, I said I do the year compass. So many people are like, but what happens? You do it and then you never look at it again. And I'm like, no, it's like, this is what I want my year to be like. I don't want to look at it until next December to see like, did it happen the way I wanted it to? Mine usually does happen the way I want it to. Mine has happened. Don't look at it. Yeah. Even like I looked at mine from last year and even the things that were on there that didn't happen, it's because I changed my mind and it was a deliberate decision. Yeah. Yeah, I do find I in, I encounter those, but I feel like most things generally happen because it's more important. The task of the year compass, and I think with a lot of goals, is actually about like mentally prioritizing what's important to you because I think it's very easy to, to like just not think about anything. And when you are setting goals or using a tool like the year compass, which if anyone wants to use, it's free at yearcompass.com. Um, it forces you to really think about like, what do I want in yeah. my life? How do I want year? to feel? Yeah. And then you write it down. And even if you don't review it, you still had that time of clarity. And I think that really stays with you. I agree. And so like, I put a few things in my phone that are not connected to your compass. Like I had my 20 minute reading habit in my phone. It was just a personal goal I had. Oh, that could have gone under hobbies in the year coming. Yeah, like I put reading and stuff. Like I wasn't specific, but I don't know. I put like small things in my phone, but I think like I don't overload myself with a ton of goals because I just want the year to be enjoyable. Like every year I'm like, I just want to enjoy this year. Oh, I feel the same. That's such a good point that, yeah, that's why my only goals are basically like TFSA, RSP and a home reno and a vacation reno sinking fund and that's it. Yeah, most of my goals are financial goals, I guess, because, well, you need money to do all of the things. On you need list. money to do everything. <laughs> Such a scam. But one thing I'm going to do this year that I've never done is like we've talked about planning for our income, planning for saving and investing. But mm-hmm. one thing I'm going to be more conscious of this year is planning how I spend my money. Oh, really? Because I think last year I was just, I could not, I was so busy. I couldn't like think about my spending. And so like, I don't know if I was spending on the things I. What? I feel like you're so conscious of your spending. I'm the one that doesn't (laughs) even like pay attention to anything. I well, like I am aware of what I spend, but I don't like think about it during the month. I check in at the end, like I just said. So during the month, it's like a free for all for me. Do you feel that you're wasting money or you're not using it on things that you value? I think I could be investing more if I was paying more attention to how much money I spent. I think you're really beating yourself up for not making <laughs> your investing goal last year. No, I'm not beating myself up. Like it was it's I couldn't I can't do anything about it. Like we had one income, so there was no nothing I could do to change that. But I just yeah. want to be conscious of it I, this year. 
I am too. I want to be a little better because I don't. I also don't plan, and I have um, some bad habits that I I want to break. Like one of my worst habits is I love to browse Aritzia and Revolve <laughs> at night when I'm watching TV, and I generally I don't have a budget for clothing. So if I see something I want, I just buy it. And obviously when you're on those websites, like every single night, it can get quite out of hand. Not, <laughs> And I realized like how bad it was again, because in December I was like, I'm not ordering anything because I don't want my packages to get lost. I don't want to have to return things at the store because it's too stressful. Like December just stresses me out. So I, I'm like, I don't order in December. And I'm like, oh, I could just turn it off just like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to decide if maybe I'll only, I'll either like replace the habit or I'll maybe only let myself browse like one day a week, like maybe on Tuesdays will be the only day I'm allowed to look at what's in the stores because when it's every day, I, I do spend quite a bit because I, yeah, same as you, like I'm conscious of it in, in reverse when I look back, but I, I don't have a plan. If I just see something, I just get that's, it. That's exactly what I meant. Because it's like, I just want to know, like, what am I allowed to spend my money freely on? What should I improve this year? And then mm-hmm. like determining where certain streams of income go when they come in. Do you allocate that like from your business? Like you allocate, like maybe your full-time job is for your regular expenses and then your I think I'm going to do that and- this year. Oh, okay. I haven't done it in the past. Oh, really? I found that so effective. Like when I was doing that double duty of working a nine to five and also having the blog on the side, like it, my side hustle basically funded my entire TFSA, RSP, and my main job was for work. But now, of course, my business is my only income. So I don't parse out the income streams anymore. So that's what I want to do this year is full time job is just basic expenses and then my extra income is all investing. Oh, you're going to hit your goals so fast that you'll be done in like four months. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll hit my, maybe I'll hit my stretch goal easily then. Are um, you setting goals for your business in terms of finance then? For I'm going to money? based on what you said at the beginning of this, the habits. I really tasks, love that. Yeah. I did, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So this morning I did like a brain dump, which is just mm-hmm. like I everything that's been on my mind the last week because I wasn't working. Um, I just wrote it all down so that it was on paper. And then I'll kind of like go through and see which ones I can tackle this week. But that's one of a lot of the items on this list are things that I can turn into habits. So I think it'll just be like analyzing which ones are most Those- important. Those are the best. Like I even think one of the reasons that um, my business has grown so much in the past two years was not because I set up any goals. It's just because I like kept showing up on a regular schedule online. Like I would post my stories five to six times a day on Instagram. I did host like my weekly lives. I revived my email newsletter and it was just that consistency that drove all the revenue. I think that's way more important than actual numerical goals. It is. Like you said, it's the actions that you take that actually move the needle. They make the biggest difference. And yeah, it's so easy to start small. That's the other thing when people are trying to figure out their financial goals. I feel like we're already maybe disappointing people because they probably came in on here and wanted us to tell them like what percent of their income to save, (laughs) how much debt to pay off. And we're just having this winding philosophical discussion of (laughs) uh, goals and things. But 
like I usually tell people to start really small, especially if you are just like newly or even if you're overhauling your finances, that it's much easier to start with like saving and investing 1% of your income. And then once you get used to that after two or three months, like make it 2% and so on and keep going. And for anyone that did come here for numbers, I generally recommend that you save and invest at least 10% of your gross income. So that should be what you're eventually striving for, but you can start with 1%. And if you're already at 10%, you can do more if you feel like. But if you're yeah. at over 20, you should slow down. People who are, <laughs> unless you're fire, right? Unless, unless you're, you're fire, early. yes. But I, yeah, I do find people tend to overdo it with goals. I guess we didn't really touch on that here. But I think some people, and I think I used to be a person like this too, that were really hardwired to get like that dopamine hit from hitting a certain metric. And we don't tend to think of like what exactly is the point of this. And I think if you are saving and investing more than 20% of your income and your goal is not early retirement, you really have to think about like what you're doing this for other than to watch numbers go up on a screen. Yeah. And on the flip side of that too, a lot of people save just to save and they don't. Yes. They don't actually have specific goals, which like Bridget and I may not have given specific numbers of how we're going to achieve our goals, but we know why we want to hit them and what those numbers are. I, well, I gave specific numbers for my goal. Well, actually, I don't know what my basement renovation will cost. (laughs) Yeah. Like we know our (laughs) investing goals, um, but maybe not our specific numbers yet for personal financial goals. Um, yeah. But like you do want to know what you're saving for. Like if you do plan to have a travel sinking fund, where would you like to go? Because if you don't really know, it's hard to feel the excitement and any progress. If oh, you're really? Just saving I, to save. So I'm doing the opposite of that because my like my personal goal that and this is going to sound absurd. So I'm, I apologize to people, but <laughs> I want a vacation budget of $20,000 per year. That's like what I want for me and my daughter. And I was just figuring I would start like, yes, start a sinking fund and save that. And then I get to pick the vacations that fit in it. (laughs) Well, that that's not like that is a specific goal, though. Like, you know, the exact number and like, you just want to spend that much money on traveling every year. Yeah, I just think it sounds like a nice round number. And for the trips that we want to do, I'm like, now now Disney seems possible <laughs> if there's that much in the account. Yeah. And I, I also think people like ruthlessly, maybe this is only in personal finance, but do you know there's those people that take so much pride on like living on as little <laughs> as they possibly can? I guess that's tied to the savings. But like the people who are like, my grocery budget is only $300 a month. And I'm just like, how are you even doing that? And they kind of think everything else is waste. Or is that only, am I only thinking of the personal finance people or is that, I don't know. I don't know. It depends. I used to be like that. I used to be like, we spend so little on groceries. I can't do it anymore now that I have kids. I think I like, my kids are so picky with food. It's just like impossible for me to try and spend money on only what I eat, which is very affordable. Like I can eat vegetarian and not like eat, and much produce and I'll be okay. <laughs> like that's not how I want to live my life anymore. It made a lot of sense when I was repaying my debt. It made a lot of sense when I was trying to get ahead financially. Yeah. And so like I do think that if you have debt heading into 2023, it should be a priority um based on the way the economy looks right now. Yeah, so, it's, like it's going to mm, get rough out there. You might have to prioritize debt over some of those fun goals. 
Yeah, you really do, unfortunately, for a short time. And that's also what I want to remind people is like, when you have to do what seems like an insurmountable financial task, it does feel like you're in it forever. But once it's done, it's done. Like once your debt's paid off, it's paid off. And once your TFSA is maxed out, it's maxed out. Like that's what I keep thinking. Like I'm looking at this amount that I want to put in my TFSA, like the $20,000 a year to catch up for, for three years. But in three years, I will be done. And then I won't have to keep doing this like $20,000 extra to my TFSA, which means I should theoretically have $20,000 extra a year to put to in your vacation fund. Yeah, it will be my vacation <laughs> fund at that at that point. And yeah, I think it's like it is really easy to feel like really beaten down by your financial goals because when you're doing them, it feels like such a slog that lasts forever. But if you can kind of see that end, which like I see, I'm like, oh, in like three years, my TFSA will be maxed out again, and then I'll then I'll be okay. So I only have to do this really hard thing and maybe budget a little bit more carefully and be a little bit more aggressive for three years, and then I can relax. And I find that really encouraging and easier to tackle. I 100% agree. I think like focusing on my debt when I did was the best thing I ever, best decision I, think, I made. Yeah, I think it's what you're doing now with like your coast fine goal, or co- yeah. I should call it coast fire, not our made up <laughs> word. But yeah, you're very much like I'm going. I'm doing just this right now, and once I hit it, then I can. Then I get to do my basement my renovation, and it'll be so much more <laughs> enjoyable because I won't be trying to save for two big things at once. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like once a financial goal is taken care of, it does free up the emotional energy and you do get to truly enjoy it and you don't have to feel guilty because that's the other thing. I, we talked earlier that some people are spending their money on things instead of saving and investing. But I'm like, how do you fully enjoy that spending if you know in the back of your mind that you really should be saving you and investing You have to pay it for back soon. Yeah, like I feel like I would just feel really guilty because I could absolutely not contribute to my TFSA this year and no one would come after me. No one would even know if I didn't say it online. Like I wouldn't get in trouble. There's not, there's <laughs> no consequences. The only consequences for, are for me. But if I did that, I feel like I would feel so guilty doing other things. Like I wouldn't fully enjoy spending that money elsewhere if I knew it really should be going into my TFSA. I don't know if I would feel guilty. I think if I made that decision, really? I really want it. Like that means I really want it. I need this item. But like I have gotten to the point where I know that even though I want something, if it's not going to change my life, like emotionally, um, make me happier or more fulfilled, it's better to just wait. Like Mm -hmm. the basement, yes, I want it. My friend's coming and I don't have a room for her to stay in. So I feel like so sad about it. (laughs) And I'm like, I could just do the basement this year and then she has a place to stay. But like I have to to do a whole basement for like a few nights. (laughs) Right? That's what I have to keep reminding myself of. Like we all want to do these things because then we get to enjoy them right now. But they are more enjoyable when you can pay for them in full or you don't have to worry about repaying them on someone else's schedule. We're always battling that instant gratification. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Constantly. That's that's what it is all the time. But I also think it's a different, I don't know. I think financial security is so important and I don't want people to be careless with it. And I think like 
I mean, there is a level where you can be over-focused, but things like putting money in your TFSA and RSP are really important to just your future financial health. And yeah, you can neglect it a little bit, maybe sometimes in your life, but you don't ever want to set yourself in a position where, I don't know, I just feel like the consequences are so severe of not taking care of these financial Yeah. I think it's that we get bogged down in the, everyone always asks like, how do I save for a wedding and a home and a baby? Because it's all at the same time. Yeah. But you you have to choose which one is the most important. Unfortunately, like you cannot do it all at once. You Maybe you can, but you will feel so much more pressure in your own life than from other people. Like the external pressure feeling, it will be more internal if you just push yourself too far. Yeah, that that's such a good point. And so when it comes to choosing your financial goals, like like I know, and as I mentioned already in this episode, like the way that I'm working on my financial goals this year is I am going to like focus very much on my RSP for the first few months, then I'm going to do my TFSA and my daughter's RESP. And then I'm going to start saving for vacation and home renos. And that's actually one of the reasons I don't think that I can do any like really big home renovation projects this year. And I'm also not planning any vacations until the fall next year, because I don't think I can do them before because all my money is going to be tied up in TFSA, RRSP, RESP. And when you are doing things like vacations or home renos, like you usually have to plan them early, schedule them early. And I just don't want to, I don't want to take money away from my long-term goals. Like they are more important than my fun goals. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I was just going to say it is possible that um, if for whatever reason, if my income dips or it takes me longer to put money into my RSP and TFSA, it is possible that I might not be able to go on vacation or might even have to post postpone uh, the home renos for like two years. Uh, but that's something like I'm willing to do. I would rather have a maxed out TFSA and maxed out RSP than... Uh, finished basement. Just maybe that's my money trauma or maybe that's just being responsible. (laughs) No, I think that's really responsible. I think that is my ranking system that I do. It's like, how practical is your goal? You can kind of rank it on a scale of one to 10. Like how long is it going to take you to accomplish this goal? Because if you need to save like $30,000 for a basement renovation, um, how long will that actually take you? Is it a need or is it a want? Like, yes, I could justify my basement as a need because my friend needs a place to sleep, but no, it's a want. (laughs) And then basically like, yeah, which ones can I actually tackle this year? Yeah. And it's so much better to do one at a time. I think personally, I'm very much one at a time. I'm also very cognizant and what I think people should consider when their financial goals, like now i I am turning 40 in three years. It's going to happen. I keep like (laughs) trying to find a way around it, but it doesn't seem to be one. And as I get like further along in my life, like I do realize it is really important to prioritize your financial security. You can kind of get away with it in your 20s. Like I think if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're under 25, like it's really hard to make a financial mistake that screws you over that early in your life. But as you get older, like you really have to take your goals uh, seriously because the t- the timeline goes down quite a bit. And so yes. that's another reason I'm prioritizing my finances as I age because I know that they won't. Like I just don't have endless time the way I did at 24. Yes, exactly. I like it. Can I ask, have you done your year compass yet? 
No, I'm doing it on Thursday as a TikTok live. I'm doing like a three or four hour TikTok live where people can just pop in and we're all going to do it together. I would do it on Instagram, but you're not allowed to do a live for that long. (laughs) TikTok, you can just like stay on. So people will just like watch me typing quietly at my computer and I will occasionally say what I'm doing. I like it. Um, I was trying to brainstorm before I start mine what I want my year of the word to be. Oh, I never think in advance. I always just think of it on the... I've only been thinking about it because I follow ConPoint on Instagram. Do you follow her? No. Her name's Connie and she's on like a mini sabbatical from work right now. And Mm -hmm. she was talking about her year words and like had a poll for people to contribute like what their word of the year is going to be. And some of them were so good, like so good. And I really like some of the passwords she has chosen. She's one of hers was country pace. And it was like just slow (laughs) living. Like she just wants to live her life really slowly. And so I've just been having fun thinking of the words that I want. Oh, interesting. I'm, I don't even know what mine are. I'm actually opening mine uh, right now. For your past year? Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. I should look up what my last year word was as well. Um, I've already checked, but I forgot. My word for the year ahead is luminous. That's what I wrote last year. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't really know what this means. (laughs) My word of the year for 2022 was experience. Oh. And I feel like I, it was bang on, like getting to do the event with you, getting to go on my book tour, getting to go on Family Feud. Like those are huge experiences for me. (laughs) They were so cool. And I... I just had so much fun like letting myself enjoy the moments. Usually I'm really bogged down with anxiety. So <laughs> I feel like I, I was successful in letting myself experience fun things. But I was thinking for 2023, I, I kind of want it to be beginnings. Oh, that's nice. Because I feel like I have a lot of new and exciting things that oh, man. will I'm be like, happening. I haven't reviewed my um, your compass from last year until I just opened it uh, now. And it's so funny um, what I had here. Like under my secret wish, this is so nice. I said, it is difficult to set a wish when I feel all my wishes are coming true. Things are Aww. so good. It is enough that they continue as they are. I feel guilty even wanting more. I might cry at my own past That's self. So cute. <laughs> yeah, so nice. like I was just so happy, and I feel like I just had another year like that. It's funny looking at this um, now too, where it's like I will have the power to say no to these three things: doubt, distraction, and stress. And I feel like I did that this year. Like I only remember one anxious breakdown in 2022. And I feel like I had it like every two weeks in 2021. So I think I did a good job of like, resting and relaxing in the past year. And my finances still improved. And I thought it was a year that it wouldn't because stock market went down, inflation got really bad. And I still ended up even better than the year before. Yeah. And like mine was like, this year will be special for me because I'm not going to expect that things will be perfect. And I'll allow myself to be excited. That's so healthy. Where look at us. <laughs> Bring look it on us. 2023. We're ready for I you. I'm really excited. I I'm excited. I feel like my financial goals are good and yeah, I'm really going to focus just on the work to achieve them, not so much on the numbers and I hope things continue to go well. I feel very optimistic though. Do you feel optimistic? I do and I'm 
I'm definitely going to be focusing on habits and actions. If, if that's any takeaway from this episode, I feel like those are the two words that I would use to describe how you should look ahead for your next year. I think that's the secret. And I think that's why that book, Atomic Habits, has been so popular because that's what it focuses on. And now I don't know what year I read it, but I clearly read it quite some time ago and implemented everything because every chapter I get to, I'm like, I'm already doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's reassuring. It's kind of like when you take a course and you're like, I already know this, but that just makes me more confident. Yeah, it's really good. And he doesn't use financial examples very often. He does occasionally, but I think it's worth reading and applying to financial goals because like we said at the very beginning of this podcast, I think it's very easy to feel like setting the goals and writing down the numbers is progress and it's not. The real progress is actually taking action. Yeah. I like to know like how much I want to earn, but it is what actions can I take to get to that number? I am too intimidated by my own goals to even set those. Like I keep kind of setting them and then I get scared and then I don't. But you know them. You know them in your mind. Kind of, but they're, yeah, I was having, because right now I'm in this like uh, triangle of arguments with uh, my financial advisor and my accountant, my, mostly my accountant of, how to manage my finances <laughs> and what my goals are. And it's like, it was even scary when I was filling out the document for my financial advisor about like, well, what is your projected income for 2023? And I like couldn't even write it down. I got so... I think you so should I, just I write did, like, them all range. down on a piece of paper. Oh, scary. But it's not <laughs> real. It's just, it's what you want, but it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen. Do you set your your income goals every year? I've put my income goal in my five-year milestones. So it's less overwhelming because I have five years to hit that number. That's, so that's what I used to do too. And, but yeah. now I'm working on my 40-year one and it's that's yeah, tough. It just gives me a heart attack basically <laughs> to think about it. You will be fine. You, you know you're going to hit it. Uh, even you saying that, like I'm getting like butterflies, just like I'm getting nauseous now. I think the when you're stressed and when you're feeling nervous, it just means you care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should read in 2023? The Gift of Fear. Who wrote that? Um, Gavin De Becker, I believe. Okay. And it's, I read it last year. It's one of the best books I've read. I recognize the title. I don't think that I've read it. It's all about how listening to your gut and understanding your fear that it's okay, that it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the best books. Now we're just going into new books (laughs) recommendations. Sorry, everybody. Okay. Recommend your top three books for 2023. Okay. Top three books for 2023. Obviously, I'm going to say Atomic Habits because... That one. Yeah, it's been so useful in general. If people haven't read it yet, then obviously Die With Zero Mm -hmm. is an important one. And we did a whole episode on Die With Zero. So you can also go back and listen to that. But another great book that I was thinking of um, that really helped me in growing my business, and I haven't reread in a long time, but it's very good, is called The Obstacle is the Way. And It's a very good book about when you feel like you're stuck or you don't know how to move forward or you're facing a block. So if you are, even if you're stuck in a job and it doesn't feel like 
it's moving ahead. If you're stuck in your business and you don't know how to grow it, or even if you're stuck in a relationship and things like that. And it was a book that really framed how I thought about, reframed how I thought about hardships and adversity that I encounter in my life. Because as you might guess from the title, the obstacle is the way forward. And it made me think of those challenges more as like blessings that would turn into something better. And now I really actually generally get excited when I hit a snag because I'm like, oh, it gets better after this. So this is the thing that is going to change it into something better. And that has also helped me, I think, like, I think I read it when my daughter was a baby, like very early. And it really changed how I move forward. Another book that's like that, that's really good is The Mountain Is You. Oh. Which is by Brianna Weiss. And as we know in the when you read my birth chart, the mountain really is me. Um, (laughs) The mountain is definitely you. (laughs) But it's about it's basically about getting out of your own way. Um, Which is a a problem and also with your money. Like people Exactly. It's generally you generally are in your own way with your money. (laughs) That's one of my recommendations. And my other two are, well, you have to read 4,000 Weeks if you haven't. Bridget recommended it to me last year. And it's just such a great book about time and time management. That one made me feel so justified in the way I organize my day because I'm self-employed, but I still work very regular hours. (laughs) I even still take a lunch break. I take like two 15-minute breaks. I'm very like regimented. And in that book, he goes into like, how important the rhythm of our day in our culture is. And like, it's one thing to be self-employed and have all this time freedom, but no one else has it. So you just end up being alone. (laughs) And so I, cause people are like, Oh, like you could do whatever you want. I'm like, I work like nine to five (laughs) (laughs) because that's when everyone else works. So it just makes the most sense. And he just really made me feel justified about that in the book. The rest was also very good. That was just a random thing that really appealed to me. Okay. And then my last book recommendation is I'm going to do one fun one because um, I've really been focusing on reading for fun as well, which I forgot to do last year. Well, some people, like a lot of them are learning and they're heavy, like with information. So this one is just a a read to relax and enjoy, which is Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh, that's great. I just finished that a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh. I cried. It was so good. It was so good. That's I a good love one. that author. So yes, those are your book recommendations for next year. This is how we set our goals. I hope that it helped all of you. It was, it was an interesting journey. We kind it of was. went all over the place. <laughs> I think we gave good advice though. I think there is lots of tidbits in here that will help people set their financial goals for 2023. I think so too. I, I feel like we, we nailed it. We're, we're ready for the new year. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Money Feels. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen and be on the lookout for another episode next week. If you like this episode, leave a review and tell us how your money feels as we head into 2023. Follow us on Instagram at Mixed Up Money for Alyssa, at Bridgie Casey for me, Bridget, and at Money Feels Podcast. Surprise, we launched a Patreon. If you love what Bridget and I do and the content we create, you can now subscribe for bonus content, discounts, and more money feels at patreon.com slash money feels or find the link in our show notes. 
and we'll see you next time.